Well, good day, everyone. How exciting. We're about to close out 2022 with our final podcast with AONN. And this one, we really wanted to celebrate the role of the navigators and the lives that they touch with patients. I am Monica Dean, Director of Patient Navigation Program Development, and I am really delighted to be here today with our dynamic two panelists and colleagues that I have grown to love. So without further ado, because I don't want to be the limelight here, I want Paula and Danny to speak with their heart and soul. So Paula, introduce yourself. I am Paula Samborn. I am currently an APN here at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. I have been an oncology nurse for over 20 years, and I was the sarcoma oncology nurse navigator here at Nationwide Children's Hospital. And as of June, I transitioned to infectious disease, but it's the host defense team. I'm one of their APNs. So I still see immunocompromised. And so most of my patients are oncology patients. That's where I currently am here at Nationwide Children's. Awesome. Awesome. And then Danny. Hi, my name is Danny Alston. I'm an oncology navigator with Florida Urology Partners. I work primarily in radiation oncology and the majority of the patients that I work with have advanced prostate cancer. I've been with this organization for about two and a half years, right as soon as COVID started to really rear its ugly face is when I was able to join this team and thankfully I was able to stay on. I started actually as a medical scribe and because this is my second career, I quickly moved up in the ranks and I've been a navigator for the greater part of about two years now in Tampa, Florida. Awesome. I think what's super exciting is that both of you have such varying experiences, but Paula being obviously in pediatrics, Danny, you and radiology, like just, it's going to be an, so fun just to hear your backgrounds. So I'm super excited to be here today. So we want to celebrate you both and we want to celebrate all the navigators. So I think the one important question is how and why did you become a navigator? So I can go first. Um, so my first 10 years was infectious disease here at Nationwide as a nurse but my first love was always oncology. And to be honest, I didn't get the job. I didn't get the oncology job that was open at the time. But then 10 years later, an opening came up and I was an oncology bedside nurse for years. And then the sarcoma team, the APN and oncologist at that time came to me and said, hey, we just got budgeted for the first ever oncology. They called it a nurse clinician. We think you'd be a great fit for the job. You know, what do you think? So I applied, I got the job and I was in the job just for a few months. And oh my gosh, I was, there was just so much to it. There was only one new trying to find my way around this role. And I always had a passion for the AYA, the adolescent and young adult. And I saw a flyer for oncology nurse navigators for a meeting in San Diego, and it wasn't AON at the time, but their content was very heavy with adolescent young adult stuff. And I thought, oh, this is me. Like, I need to go to this. And it was there that I really trickled into meeting a couple of nurse navigators and navigators and actually came back and shared everything with my nursing director and with our chief medical director. And I said, you know, I really think this role should be called a navigator. And so 
out of that, I developed a job description with the LNN competencies. And over the years, I've shared that with other pediatric institutions throughout the United States, because it was kind of the first pediatric oncology nurse navigator, and it just totally fit. We currently here at Nationwide have eight other oncology nurse navigators for each disease team, and the role has really grown. That's amazing. I love to hear it, especially when you said, okay, I didn't get the first role and responsibility that you wanted. And then you just kept pushing forward. I love that. All right, Danny. Now I wish I'd gone first. My story is not going to be nearly as uh, no. as impressive. You've got a great story. Uh, <laughs> so I kind of fell into this role. I think very similar to a lot of navigators. Like I said, this is my second career. I was an ecologist doing habitat restoration in Central Florida for the majority of my twenties. Okay, which first was- of all, how did I ever not know that? It's one of those talking points that sometimes comes up, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, never get that. Yep. Um, so I uh, was trucking along in the swamps and working on keeping ecosystems healthy and safe. And then I kind of was in a spot where I was trying to kind of figure out what my next move was going to be. And unfortunately, my dad was diagnosed with a bladder cancer, which thankfully he was diagnosed very early on. So it was resectable. He's doing great. He's fine. We didn't have to go into any of the advanced treatments, but that was the first time I'd ever regretted not going into healthcare. And so I started researching, okay, what do I need to do to get myself into healthcare and started working in pathology labs. And I got my master's and then I started working as a medical scribe. And then because I had that kind of project management, organizational skills, and we had a need in our clinic for a patient navigator, I was able to take some of those more practical skills and apply them into healthcare. And funny enough, I'm working for the same organization that took care of my dad. One of those urologists is in this clinic, which is really cool. I didn't know that when I started, but it was just a really cool roundabout full circle thing. And so I've, like I said, I've been in a navigation role for the last two years. I'm the only navigator. I was running our in-office pharmacy for quite a while. We now have a pharmacy manager and the navigation will hopefully continue within this organization. That is a really cool experience. I mean, navigators touch lives in so many ways that we don't know where we're going to start and where we're going to finish. So we talked about how you became a navigator. Let's talk about maybe some of the patients that have touched your lives. Obviously, we don't maybe want to talk about who they are, but something that really has inspired you over your experience. And it could be more than one. It could be a caregiver. It could be a patient. I've been reflecting on this a lot, especially since I'm starting to transition out of my current role and we're telling patients that. I'm leaving. They've all been just super supportive and very appreciative. And I'm hearing stories from all of them about how they weren't going to have their oncology treatments because they were going to have this huge financial burden on top of it. When I was kind of thinking about this, there's a patient that he was an awesome learning opportunity. When I had first started navigating and kind of traversing these conversations about co-payments and working with foundations and realizing that what is said versus what is heard are very different things, especially in oncology. But I had a patient very early on in my career who I was talking to him about copayment assistance. And he asked me what his copayment was for this 
particular oral oncolytic, which was about $3,000. And as soon as I said $3,000, he stopped listening to everything else I said. He heard that number. And even though I had reassured him that, you know, we're going to get patient assistance, you're not going to have this out-of-pocket cost. He didn't hear anything else. And then the next day he called and he said, Danny, I'm not going to do any of the treatments. I'm not going through radiation. I'm not going through the oral oncolytics. I can't do this. I can't put my family in this kind of financial situation. Thankfully, the doctor was there and he was able to help me kind of navigate with this patient on, no, no, you don't have that, that co-payment. I promise you, like, we'll, we'll get you taken care of. That was about two years ago now. And I actually just talked to him on the phone a couple of days ago to let him know there's going to be some transitions within our organization. And he brought up that story as well, that if it wasn't for, you know, some of the work that we've done together, he might not be getting the treatments that he needs. So he's somebody that I will always remember and I'll, I'll carry him with me. Oh, I love that. And there's two points that I wrote down. Just one, the first thing you opened up with was a learning opportunity for you. Great takeaway for navigators is that every day I think is a learning opportunity. And then the second part is what is said versus what is heard. And especially around the finance piece of it, because we know that is a huge burden with patients. And I love that the physician stepped in with you. That's just beautiful. Absolutely. Because I remember when my dad had his cancer diagnosis, as soon as my mom told me, that's all I heard. Yeah. I don't remember anything else from the conversation. I just remember hearing Pops has cancer. And that was it. And so I do try to remember that I've been on that side as a caregiver of receiving that notification. So I've tried to be mindful of that. And sometimes you're reminded that we need to be a little bit more, a little bit more mindful sometimes. And that was a very swift learning opportunity and the panic that I had of, oh my God, I just ruined this person's life. Thankfully. Yeah. Like you said, doctor came in and he's wonderful. I, I work for a fantastic provider. And then we had a, a powwow afterwards of, hey, you know, what did we learn? What did we do better? Was this something we could have even avoided? So that was, that was a really cool moment after the fact, not in the moment, but afterwards of the, the learning. And I think that's beautiful because of the fact that I know that navigators, you know, obviously being a part of a huge team trying to figure out, okay, how do we I'll use the word navigate, like we're navigating all these relationships. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that physician relationship with the navigator and so many other people. So that is just a great takeaway. I think for navigate new navigators, tenured navigators, regardless Mm -hmm. of where you are, just, Hey, here you go. And this is the way, because at the end of the day, it's that patient's experience. It's that caregiver's experience, et cetera. So absolutely, absolutely beautiful. And I think that increases trust too with your patients if they see that you have good communication with your physician and you know you're on the same page and they support you. I think that gives confidence to the patient and family that you're taking care of. It just feeds into that sort of I'll say ecosystem of just okay, I'm going in and I'm gonna be taken care of. And that's not gonna be, I'll say, not a battle, but you know what I mean. Just it's coming in. Like you said, it builds that huge healthcare trust. I love it. All right, Paula, you share. So I actually have two. And of course, they're my adolescent young adult patients. But one was JB and she was a young girl. She was first diagnosed with metastatic Ewing sarcoma when she was 13. And she had multiple recurrences and relapses. 
And I saw her senior year when graduation, she walked with no hair and going through treatment. And then she was in college and living in the dorm or for a while. And then she moved out and lived in a house with a bunch of girls and her going through treatment and her housemates bringing her to her appointments and sitting with her. And then I saw her, you know, graduate from college and then all living with metastatic disease. And then she eventually got married. I went to her wedding and then she eventually passed away when she was 27, but she spent most of her time caring for other young adults with cancer while she was going through therapy. And I had done several support groups in the hospital and outside the hospital for adolescents and young adults, you know, going through therapy, we would meet up at a coffee shop and just talk for a couple hours. But basically it was other AYAs getting together and she was literally the core of that group. And she would spend time coming in and she would meet little kids in the infusion center, you know, seven, eight, years old and next time she would bring stickers she just had such a bond and a relationship with other patients and to see her the entire time while she was going through treatment and literally you know dying of her disease still reaching out and caring for others was just amazing she was just a huge loss not only for all of us but for those that AYA group that met frequently, they depended on each other. They all went to their weddings. She just was a heart of the whole oncology division and a huge loss. One story I tell it all the time about me and I was having a really bad day one day and she came in, something was wrong with her port and they were going to do a dye study on it. And someone had dropped her off. And it was like 4.30 in the afternoon and they were fitting her in because everybody loved her throat. If you needed to get a scan, all you had to do is say your name. And they were like, we'll stay late. We'll do the scan. We'll do this. So she was over there and she called me and she said, hey, I'm here by myself waiting to go in for my dye study. I was wondering if you'd come over. So it was all the way on the other side of campus. And I was so frustrated because I had plans for the evening, but I I just felt like I couldn't say no. And so the entire time I'm walking over there, I'm like more upset about me. I'm like, now I'm going to be late. I'm going to have to cancel this. I've got this paper to write. I need to get done. Like all this stuff's going through my mind. And when I get there, she's sitting there and she has a journal for me. And she's written on all these pages. And she said, you know, I've just, I've really been thinking about you and how much, you know, you give the patients and families. And I really, I, I found this journal. She was, she had a degree in journalism and she said, I just feel like, you know, this is something you need. Oh my gosh. I, and here I was being so selfish of, you know, with my time and having to rush over there. And here's this young girl who's going through treatment and she's thinking about me in that moment, but that just defined who she was. And the journal was amazing. I still read it, you know, every six months, seven months, I'll get it back out again and I'll read through it. And it really, it's just really about strength and death and dying is basically what the journal is about because she was afraid that I was struggling with knowing that she was going to die. Is that crazy? Just totally crazy. But that depicts her. That's wow. And then my second one, you guys, if you, it was he and his wife actually spoke at the mid-year conference. It was a virtual conference that year. And 
He was diagnosed when he was 21 with metastatic Ewing sarcoma. And these two were actually really close, really tight. But he's 11 years now. He's 32 years old, almost 33. And he's still going through treatment for a metastatic disease. I've seen him graduate from college. He has his own company. He's married, still getting treatment. You know what I mean? He'll do an oral for a while. He'll take time off, travels with his wife. And he's another person that I just think I love when these young adults just live through their disease. And you know, he doesn't feel good. You know, he just trudges through, you know, getting through treatment. And the nurses just adore him, adore his wife. And just to see, again, them living through their disease. So he's my second one that has really impacted me, as well as other people, too. So let me ask you about the question, and Paula, I'm going to start with you, and then Danny, I want you to jump into, I mean, these stories, so I've never been a navigator. I always just supervise navigators. I ran programs, et cetera, but to watch these experiences and to go through them, how do you sort of just go day to day? I mean, that's pretty impactful. I mean, that's a lot of weight to go through. So for, especially as we talk about celebrating the role that you do, because I mean, I was in tears listening to these stories. What would you tell a new navigator? Do you take that home every day? I know you guys do. I know you both do. Well, yeah, when you're in healthcare and Danny, you can probably speak to that being in the field that you were and then moving in, you're into this whole new light of connection and people and compassion and I've kind of always been that caregiver person. I'm a twin and I feel like I've, I've been the caregiver twin. I've always taken care of people. I've all, I mean, it's just who I am, but I think me, the compassionate person that I am, I can't turn it off. And I am so grateful and blessed that my husband, we've been married 35 years and he knows when I walk in that door, I don't even have to say anything. And he knows when I need a hug, he knows it's a bad day. I have drugged him to every kid's oncology camp. I have drugged him to amputee ski trips to Colorado. You name it. He's been there, you know, right alongside me. But I think that if I could tell the navigator anything is that you really have to see your job as a gift. Because when patients walk away and they say, my navigator, I don't know what I'd have done without her. And that's what I hear from people. And not just about me, but even adults that have, my sister has just finished treatment for breast cancer. And she said, she talks to her navigator all the time. And she said, I don't, she came to her appointments. She followed up with her. She was always there for her questions. And my sister says, I don't know what I'd done without her. And I think that that's a gift. You know, it's a job. We get a paycheck, but you really have to see it as a gift every day. I would definitely second that. Absolutely agree. It's hard. I can't say that I'm not, I don't take things home. I think about patients all the time. I'll be doing something and I'll be at the grocery store and I'll remember a story that a patient was telling me. And I'll be thinking about that patient while I'm grocery shopping, or Mm -hmm. if I've got a particularly challenging case and I'll be thinking about it while I'm walking or doing something else. It's hard not to bring that home, but just to kind of echo what Paula said, you know, it is a gift. You know, we have, cancer is unfortunately going to happen and we have this really unique opportunity 
that we are a part of their cancer journey and we can help shoulder some of that burden that comes along with a cancer diagnosis. And we can help them through that healing journey that isn't necessarily physical because I have some patients that are metastatic castrate resistant. They're quote unquote, in the worst case scenario, they're in a terminal state, but that doesn't mean healing stops. And we get to be a part of that part of life that is really, really scary. And we can help I don't want to say be a light and like t- try to make us sound like we're angels or anything higher than that, but we, we get to shoulder a lot of that burden and be a part of so many different families and be a part of their lives and just kind of turn a scary situation into something that's not as scary. We get to be with them. We get to help them through things that they thought they were going to have to shoulder alone, which is, I think is, is really cool. It's certainly easy to fall down the dark side of oncology care because oncology is scary, but we get to be a, a positive force. It's funny, Danny, because sometimes I I was a, a trauma nurse for a few years and people will say, oh my gosh, you're an oncology nurse. That's like, I wouldn't want to do anything. That's just awful. And then I think back to my trauma years and I'm like, mm, no, at least in oncology, we get to help people adjust, not always, yeah. you know, except, but adjust. And if they have metastatic disease, it's a continuum of care and you get to be a part of that and help them mentally, physically, emotionally, all adjust to that where trauma is so quick, so real. And when those patients die in trauma, you just, you don't have all that time to help those families, you know, especially in the world of pediatrics, seeing a parent lose their child. For me, sometimes when my patients would die, it's a relief because they were in so much pain and their life was such turmoil. And many times they were hanging on for their parents, afraid, you know, they were more worried about leaving because of their parents and leaving their parents. And so at least you get to be a part of that and helping them adjust. And, you know, but parent for me anyways, losing a child has, it's always been harder for me with the parents and seeing their loss. I would agree. I mean, I I don't work with children or young adults, but most of my men are my dad's age or older. And so, yes, they've had a, usually a longer life, but you know, like you said, it's not, it's not immediate. We get to be a part of that conversation. We get to be a part of that person's life and also leave our patients knowing that we are also here for their families as well. Mm-hmm. So they're not leaving their families alone and working in oncology has given me a huge appreciation for hospice care because mm-hmm. I had, I think like a lot of people did, I had a stigma against hospice. My thought was, oh, it's hospice. So we're okay. So we're, we're giving up or that's, that's what we're doing. It's, it's the end of life, but working in oncology, I've completely changed my thought process on hospice care. And I speak about it very, very highly. And I I think everyone in oncology has the same mentality about hospice care and the, the wonders that it does and palliative care and just making people feel comfortable. We're unfortunately, we all have to go through the dying process. So if we can do it with dignity and for some of our control freaks, such as us, <laughs> um, <laughs> we can have a little bit of control in how that happens. And, and so that's one of the 
really cool aspects about working in oncology is that we get to be a part of that. You both have really, oh my goodness. I mean, just I've written one. I didn't know, Paul, you were a twin. So I wrote that down too. <laughs> I love this, all these little nuggets that I'm learning from you both. But I think there's a lot that to have been learned, even for me is one, I mean, you both have said like your role as a navigator is a gift. And regardless of what you're doing in oncology, it really is touching those patients' lives. Both my parents passed away of cancer. Hospice was a beauty. Unfortunately, when my father went transitioning to hospice, he called and the voice was basically, okay, it's time for hospice. And he's like, but I'm not dying. I'm like, I know daddy, you're not dying yet, but it's a time for us to just take care of you. So to your point around the learning around it, it's just that education piece of it. But we didn't have a navigator back then. We didn't have a navigator in 2006. We didn't have a navigator in 1998 with my mom. So you both have just given so many things. And then what was unique opportunity, just the shoulder of being on just the voice of cancer. I mean, an oncology, I cannot even tell you both how much I appreciate what you both do and what navigators do. And I hope that everyone that's listening will take nuggets away from your learnings. So I have one last question for you both. So we're coming at the end of 2022. What would your advice be to navigators? I, for a new navigator, I would encourage the prevention of burnout because burnout sneaks up on you and it sneaks up on you nice and slow until all of a sudden you're in the thick of it. So find an outlet, find something that is therapeutic for you. If you have the ability to go to therapy, I've invested in therapy. My therapist and I are besties in a professional way, of course, spending time in nature, spending time with family, friends, finding a community, both within healthcare and outside of healthcare, so that you have the ability to kind of step away because we preach about it all the time. Prevention is the best cure for anything. Prevent as much as you can burnout, because that is something that I'm certainly struggling with and it's a bear. So I I would certainly encourage finding good, healthy outlets. For me, and I think what's helped me even from the very beginning was finding your resources and finding and spending time with other navigators that understand what you do and talking about it and talking about patients. It's okay. You know, I think in nursing school or in your social work school, what do they say? You don't want to get emotional with your patients. You don't want to get attached with your patients. Well, you mentally will. And for me, many times talking about that with other navigators or other nurses, you know, that I'm working with, it helps. And I think Peg Rummel, for anybody that knows Peg, she's a rock star. I mean, she's one of the first people in 2015 that I met at my first conference. I went by myself. And immediately I met someone on the van ride and then I got invited to dinner with all of them. And I was just intrigued and I'm sitting at this table and we all have so much commonality in what we do every day and how we care for patients. That was so refreshing for me. And then to grasp onto that friendship and 
just keep it going. And not only professionally, but personally too. I mean, these people have become close friends. They're amazing people. And I love the conference for the resources and the knowledge that I gained, but I love the conference for the networking and seeing people each conference come up to you and remembering where they were and then getting an email and sharing resources with each other. I just think that's huge. Hanging out with people who understand what you do and then taking refuge. I love the beach. I hit a beach two to four times a year. Even if it's for a three or four day weekend, my feet hit the sand. I also spend time every day. I get up every morning at 4.30 and that's my quiet time, my time to just find peace in my day. And then at night, I'm an anxiety driven person. And so at night I sit down and I write everything down in a journal, everything that's in my head, numbers, whatever comes, write it down so that I can just find, okay, that's all out. And now I can sleep. Those are the two things for me that have really start my day out good. And then I can really think, okay, today's a gift. Today's a gift. I like this a lot. And kind of to your point as well, when you're talking about your patients, I mean, obviously within HIPAA constraints, just sharing experiences with your fellow navigators, because how can you tell a human being not to have an emotional connection to another human being that you see in a really vulnerable place on a regular basis? Cool story, bro. It's not going to (laughs) happen. But being able to have that grace for yourself and also for your colleagues that we are human, we're going to have connections with people. We're going to make mistakes, just kind of keeping that in the back of your mind as well. Well, and I think some of the stuff that we go through and see is awful. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? It's awful. But, and then sharing that with other people and whether you can shed a tear at that moment, or you can laugh with each other. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And you understand each other's mistakes or the things that you did or said, or, you know, experiences and you can share all kinds of emotion with each other and understand each other. And Danny, I'm laughing when you were talking about the shed the tear and then the laughing, because we were on a call probably what, two weeks ago. And you said, this man just was yelling at me. I forgot what the story was, but you just took a breath and said, I needed coffee and just moved on. It was one of those, like, I have not had enough coffee yet this morning to, you know, but it was an emotional state and what you guys go through every day. It's just, you don't know where people are sitting. I remember this story (laughs) (laughs) because I don't get yelled at very often. We had a patient who was very upset that he had gotten a call that, or maybe it was a text message that we had sent in a prescription for him. And he was very upset because he didn't want this prescription. He didn't want it coming to his house. He was very adamant that he told the doctor he didn't want to start this medication. And because as the oncology navigator, he's talking to me and I was like, you got it. No problem. I will call the pharmacy. And he's not yelling at me. He's not angry at me. He's got a lot on his plate. So I'm not about to take that personally, but I had to kind of step away and just okay, get, go get yourself another cup of coffee before you call the pharmacy to tell them to cancel this prescription because we know that calling outside of our offices can sometimes be talking to goofballs. So, whew. and then I turned around and started working on my plans to kind of get my therapeutic self going. And, you know, and it's just having those outlets. I have a lot of plants in my office. I like to have my mm-hmm. office be my calm space, my safe space. So I can come in here and 
breathe before going into the next situation because there's always another patient. There's always somebody else you have to talk to. And you can go from having a conversation with a patient, congratulating them on a, a fantastic scan. And then 10 minutes later, you're holding hands with a caregiver to another patient and reassuring them that we've reached a hurdle, but we're gonna keep working together. So just the emotional whiplash that you go through day to day. If you have little safe spaces in your office, if that's possible, certainly encourage that as well. So I have written down so many just beautiful statements that you both have said. One thing that I even will take away, whether Paula, you actually said it, but it was more the relax and reflect. So you said in the morning, you have your 4.30 morning and then in the evenings you reflect. I personally, I know I need to take that away, but I think that's a great piece of advice for navigators and that every day is a gift. Today is a gift. Tomorrow's a gift. Last week was a gift. And then Danny, you were just talking about, there's always going to be a patient. There's going to be the positive. There's going to be the hard ones. And then there's going to be the caregivers and lovers that are going to give you the big hugs, or maybe they're going to walk away just because they're frustrated, you know? Cancer stinks. I mean, let's just be real. Yep. But what I want to walk away with is a couple other things too that you talked away is just navigators making sure that they prevent burnout. I think you both have expressed a lot of things, how you both are just so beautiful and just keep doing what you do every day is amazing. I treasure the both of you and I treasure all of our navigators. I treasure the ones that I've worked with in the past. So yeah, that was really the purpose of today was just to celebrate navigators, the roles you do. You both were so authentic and telling your stories. And I thank you so, so much. Thank you. And actually, I wanted to say I started with AONN because I've heard our podcast and now I'm on the podcast a year and a half later and I'm like, oh my God. So, uh, because I was drowning and I was overwhelmed and I didn't even know anything about AONN. So I went to find something on podcasts and I found our podcast and I was like, I need to be a part of this group. Oh, well, thank you, Danny. I appreciate that shout out. And then the other piece that I was even going to talk about with one finding sort of your, your niches and whatnot with local navigation networks, talking about being able to sit with someone and just talk about day to day. So that would be my other shout out for folks that are listening is if there's one in your area, because that will be your voice, that will be your networking to be able to talk and kind of get anything off your chest. So absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you both so, so much. Thank you. Thank this you. Been so fun. Okay.